everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently here in Manila, Philippines, on the verge of my one-day workshop this Saturday and my second annual Digital Nomad Mastery Virtual Summit happening all next week. Uh, so no matter when you're listening to this, the summit will be available online at digitalnomadmastery.com. And the summit has 30 amazing speakers from around the world over five incredible days, teaching all the steps, skills, and uh, tools necessary to become a digital nomad as well. And we have one of our summit speakers on the podcast here today. Her name is Annette Sharp. And uh, we're going to be talking about Annette's entrepreneurial journey. Uh, she is a business coach. She does branding and marketing. And she's also passionate about area of sacred gifts. Uh, so, and she's a mom. And uh, she has two kids, a 12 and a 10-year-old. So super excited to invite up our guest, uh, who's actually joining us from my hometown of Vancouver, BC, Canada. How are you doing over there in beautiful British Columbia, Annette? I'm doing great, thank you. And it is pouring rain here. So I don't... <laughs> it's November. <laughs> surprise! Surprise, raining in Vancouver. Who would have yeah. thought? <laughs> I, well, I don't you. want to make you too jealous, but here is sunny weather, t-shirt and shorts in the middle of November, December, January. It's tropical paradise in the Philippines. I figured as much. I just wanted to make you feel good. Well, thank you. Thank you. No, I love Vancouver. You know, I, I was born there, met my lovely wife there, got married, had three kids there. So it's uh, part of my DNA and my, it's, uh, it's going to be my home for life, even though I end up, you know, living in different parts of the world. So why uh, don't you hear a little bit about you, Annette? Uh, so we don't do the typical bios on our show. We want to get to know your story. Uh, so why didn't you tell us that story? Uh, you know, how did you become an entrepreneur and tell us a little bit about how the entrepreneur journey has been in terms of both the ups and the downs? Yeah, it's a bit of, you know, I love that book, actually, The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, because it really speaks to exactly what the entrepreneurial journey is. Um, when people ask me when I became an entrepreneur, I would say that I was born an entrepreneur. Uh, it wasn't one, something that I decided one day that I was going to be an entrepreneur. It was something that I knew that was in me right from a very young age. I was always looking for different ways to use my talents, to use my skills, to use my gifts. I didn't know about gifts back then, of course, um, to make money. I remember drawing people's portraits and selling them for five cents. And I was maybe eight years old when I was doing that. Um, and they were not very good. So I'm not I'm not implying that they were. But um, the entrepreneurial journey really started at a young age. I always knew that I wanted to help people. I started exploring and learning about um, how people think and what works and what doesn't. I went to university, but I knew I, I wanted to have a career where I could be a mom one day. I wasn't a mom yet and work from home and work from around the world. And I knew that that was part of of my being part of my makeup. And so um, I met a coach and I hired her. I was maybe 21 when I hired my first coach and I loved what she did with me. I thought that her questions were profound. They made me think about myself in a different way. And I went to coaching school. I was the youngest person in my class at 23 and I started that journey. Um, I remember the coaching instructor saying to me that she'd never met someone so young and who really, really um, embodied what a coach was. And so that affirmation that I got really kept me going. And I did have a few jobs, of course, throughout my life. I think jobs are great to learn about how you work in teams and, and all of that. But I always had a side gig. And I always had a different way of, of making a little bit more money and doing a little, something else. And by the time I was 23, 
I was working for a company. I was working for a company called Peak Potentials and they had um, a coaching program. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that I needed to do something with that program. And so I pitched an idea that they needed to offer coaching to their students. And through many conversations with everyone involved, uh, we ended up doing that as a team. And I was one of the first three coaches they hired. And so over three years, I coached 200 people. And from there, I got all the experience that I needed to really launch my own coaching practice. And it's been, uh, I mean, that's just, that's just the start of the journey. There's been so much since. Um, I could talk for a long time, but I don't know if you, how much you want me to say. No, I love, I love hearing people's stories. And, you know, we all have these incredible stories and we often don't hear about the highs and the lows. So, um, you know, I think it's important to share both, uh, you know, like you mentioned, that roller coaster kind of uh, uh, story. Uh, so tell us about, uh, you know, that journey from, you know, you mentioned peak potentials to now. Uh, you've yeah. gone rogue, if you want to call it that, or gone solo, and you're fully doing it on your own. Tell us about that, the, the transition, because it's obviously a little bit easier when you're working for the company. A lot, of, a lot of, I don't know if I want to say that, but for me, anyway, I find it's harder when you're doing it solo, right? Have you found that as well? And tell us about uh, that journey to go by yourself. Yeah, there's definitely ups and, and downs, Ricky. And I think anybody who tells you that it's an easy journey is probably trying to sell you something <laughs> because, because it's not easy. However, having said that, the best decisions that I've ever made on my journey that have resulted in the, let's say, the, the most profound results or the results that I have been most proud of or have felt most connected to are those things that have been... Um, where I have felt called to them, where I have felt like I am meant to do that thing. The pieces that bring me into the slumps or take me down, let's say, are the things that I'm pushing towards, the things that I'm trying really hard to achieve. And while I may achieve things externally in those moments, because I push through and I make it and I work really hard and I do have a lot of perseverance, so I will give myself credit there. But, um, but because of pushing myself the, I may, I'm, like I'm saying, I may achieve something externally, but the internal feeling is there's sometimes this feeling of emptiness or why did I do that? Or maybe that wasn't really the right thing for me. When I'm flowing, when I'm in alignment with my gifts, when I'm in alignment with what's where I'm being called, when I'm listening and seeing the opportunities when they're there, that's when things start moving. It's still not easy because life happens because life is a journey, but the doors open, the momentum's there. You can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Things are moving more easily than when I'm pushing and striving. So um, let me think. When I, when I was working with Peak Potentials and I worked with 200 clients, I actually ventured out on my own when I realized that I could do it. You know, it just, there just became a point where I realized, hey, I don't have that imposter syndrome anymore. I've worked with hundreds of people. I'm getting the feedback from them. I'm making a difference. I can do this. And I think there was an internal mental shift for me of letting go of needing that security and knowing that I could do it on my own. And it was, it was hard. You know, I went from a steady income to not so steady income and I took on different projects. Um, I, some of the things that I did, I built like a school curriculum for uh, anti-bullying because 
that was something that landed in my lap and I pitched it and I got the job. So I said, sure, I'll do it. And I did that on the side while I was building my coaching practice, but they were still freelance things. They were still contracts, right? So I was doing this on my own and building my own, um, my own thing. And eventually I ended up with eight coaches on my team and I built out a coaching program and I developed that and I started licensing it. And it was right around there that I met Monique and the sacred gifts program and everything changed for me after that. Awesome. Sounds great. So it's quite interesting when you build up your coaching program because a lot of coaches, they go solo and they're trying to get clients themselves, but you were a, a coach of coaches who are coaching their clients. So tell us about that dynamic because it's quite different. Uh, like for me, I'm a coach as well, but I, I'm coaching clients. Uh, I, I actually have a course where I'm coaching coaches, how to coach as well, but I haven't done it to the level you have where you have like a team, et cetera. So how did those dynamics come into place when you're actually leading coaches? Well, it, it happened one step at a time. And I think that's the thing that every entrepreneur needs to understand is you might see somebody who is doing something that you admire and that you want and that you would, that you strive for. But every overnight success took like 10 years to get there. So even though it might have appeared that one day I put up a website with eight coaches on my team, um, well, they didn't all start, they started with three, but even though it might have looked like, oh, here's somebody who has a team, those relationships and those, those programs that I was developing, they, they happened over years and years and years and trial and error and working with, like I said, hundreds of clients. And a lot of those clients came from from my work. But then as I started building myself and venturing out on my own, they came from referrals. I started when I was coaching, it was 2005. We didn't have all of these tools that we have now. We didn't have Zoom. We didn't have, all we had was conference calls. I mean, we didn't have um, three, I think three-way calling was pretty much it. So there, there really what weren't these tools that we have right now. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have social um, I was marketing myself through referrals and I learned how to build those relationships. I still use referrals to this day because I think they're really smart. Um, but building those referral networks and getting the coaches engaged, I what I knew I wanted to do was build a team. And I knew that even though I had the skill set to work with people one on one, I wanted to create a ripple effect. I wanted to be able to share what I learned with the coaches on my team so that they could help more people. And I think that that's where the shift happened for me was going from I'm a solopreneur building and, and earning on my own to I'm building a business and I'm building something where coaches can come and they can learn the system, learn the tools and then go out there and help more people. And that was, that was, again, an internal shift. It was being ready. I wasn't ready prior to doing that. And again, for the entrepreneurs and the digital nomads who are listening to this, you have to trust when you're ready. There is a learning curve. There's timing and there's experience, I think, that is important to get us to a place where we know the timing is right. When we say yes too soon or we say no too or yes too late, that's when things are out of alignment. But we have to trust when we get that nudge, when we get that feeling. I just had a feeling my my youngest baby was eight months old and I just had a feeling it's time for me to build this um, this multi coach coaching practice. That was crazy. She was eight months old, <laughs> but I did it because I knew it was the right time. So, so, yeah, very interesting when you bring that up because a lot of people don't know when that right time is. Like, uh, for me, I've had intuitions like, oh, 
I should do this. Like we should travel the world or I should uh, write my first book. I should give a TEDx talk. Like I've had these kind of inclinations, uh, but sometimes I pause, sometimes I've hesitated, sometimes you procrastinate. So how do you know when you have that inclination is actually the right time? Or how do you know when it's actually that calling? How, how do you do it for yourself? I'd love to hear your insights. Well, I actually want to hear from you because <laughs> I'm just going to spin it right around. Because um, have there been moments, Ricky, where you just knew without a doubt that the timing was right? And what was different in those moments versus mm. the times when you kind of knew that it wasn't? There's a p- I'll come back just one second. I want to say that ideas are great and we need to capture ideas. And I put them in something called the parking lot. It's basically just put your ideas in the parking lot, write them all down, keep them there. But there comes a time when you know, like the doors are opening and it's like the gates are open and you're that horse at the gate and it's time to go. How do you know when the gates open? Have you had that feeling before? So many times, yeah, and I'm glad you kind of flipped around on me um, because I don't have a strategy. So, like, uh, I was hoping you had a strategy for this. You're like, okay, do this, and then you'll know when the time's right. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not a strategy because it's almost like this gut um, intuition where you're just like, you know, you're like, okay, uh, I need to write my book now. I need to put on my virtual summit now. I need to uh, leave the Philippines now. I need to do my TEDx talk now. It's like these... uh, there was no strategy behind it. There was just like this absolute firm, unshakable knowledge. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the point is that we think that we need to figure things all out. But if we get quiet enough and we listen enough to that internal guidance system that we have and we align ourselves with that, that's when the doors open. That's when things flow. That's when we're in alignment. And like I said, I've done a lot of things where I have pushed. I have pushed so many times because I have perseverance, because I'm a hard worker, because I have work ethic, because apparently I'm a number three in the Enneagram and that's the achiever uh, personality type. And that's me and I will push. But when I stop and I listen and I feel something and I trust that, that's when things actually work and I feel better in that process versus striving for something or pushing for something. And it's not an exact science. My experience is that it's not an exact science. I'll give you an example. The first time I felt that nudge, Um, and this will relate probably to some of your people, because it was the first inclination that I had that I have the sacred gift of cultural integration. So imagine a 15 year old, we're 15, we're in grade 10, we're sitting in high school. And this lady comes into our classroom and she tells us that she is going to, that she, that she has an opportunity for five of us to go to Quebec on an exchange for three months and it's going to be X number of dollars. And you know, this is, this is what she's offering. And I knew in my gut that I needed to be one of those five people. It was, I was 15 years old and I knew I needed to be one of those five people. There was nothing that was going to stop me. It was a lot of money. And I had, I was raised by a single mom. So we didn't have a lot back then, but I knew I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew, right? Like, it's just, that is me. I'm getting on that plane and I'm going. That was also my sacred gift of cultural integration, I think, calling and coming through me. Um, I got my first part-time job. 
I made it happen within, I think it was six months or something. I was on that plane and I was in Quebec. And that same nudge happened when I moved to England. And that same nudge happened when I started my company. And that same nudge happened when I met my husband. And that same nudge, you know what I mean? Like those those things that tell us that we're on the right track, if we're quiet enough and we listen enough, then we... Um, we feel more alive in our life. Now, here's an example of where I didn't listen to my nudge. You ready for this one? Yeah, <laughs> okay. It. So here's a here's a nudge. The 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 goal. My husband and I had a goal that we were going to live in a in a neighborhood called Boundary Bay, and it's a beach neighborhood and it's beautiful. And we knew that we wanted to do this. Now we lived in Burnaby at the time, and uh, the market the market at the time in Burnaby like doubled. And in Boundary Bay, it kind of grew, but sort of flat, right? So the external timing, the external timing was it's perfect timing. It's time to move to Boundary Bay. However, when we got here and we looked at the house that we, that we ended up buying, actually, um, my gut was saying there's something wrong with this house. My gut was saying the timing isn't quite right, but the external timing said, do it. So I trusted the external timing instead of my heart. And guess what happened to this house that we bought? It had a leaky roof within three months. We had rats. We had carpenter ants. We had termites. We had no foundation because of leaks. Now, we fixed it all, but it cost $220,000. But we did it. And am I grateful now? Yes. Do I wish that we had maybe not rushed? Yes. So that's an example of not following the nudge has nothing to do with being an entrepreneur necessarily, but it kind of does because it's just about following your heart. Yeah. I loved how you gave those, both those examples. And I think we all have had both where we listen just to that external, Oh, it just seems so logical and rational. So let's do it. And even though you're kind of like the gut feelings, like don't do it, don't do it. But you're like, listen to the logic and it all falls apart. When you listen to your heart, even the logic doesn't make sense. It's like, you know, the road, the, the seas part, and you can walk through it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Same with, have you ever had a business partnership where, or a, yeah. or a, not even a partnership, but a collaboration with someone and you just felt like, mm, no, but it looked good on paper and you went through with it anyway, and it just really didn't work. I mean, those are clues. Those are things we need to listen to. We need to trust our gut. We need to um, align with that internal guidance system that we have to help us decide where to go next. Yeah, no, I, I have an awesome business partner who's actually my summit co-host, Scott, and he's awesome just because I, I get along with him. I have this uh, great sense of, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, it was going to work and it has. Like, for two years later, we're still doing stuff together. And I've had other people, I'm not going to mention their names because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still friends with them on uh, social media. But yeah, those business partnerships didn't work. So yeah, I can definitely relate to so much of what you're saying. So Annette, you brought up this term called sacred gifts a few times. And on the summit, you're going to be doing a lot deeper dive into this concept. But for those listeners of yours who haven't heard the term sacred gifts, tell us about it because uh, they, they can obviously listen to our previous guest, Monique, Monique, who did a much deeper dive into it and I'll have the link. But tell us a little bit about sacred gifts. Sure. I'll tell you about how I discovered it, because I think that that's part of the story. Um, I was really on a quest of personal development, and I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are also trying to find out more about themselves and learn about themselves. And everything that I did helped me to better understand myself and my habits and my beliefs and my who I was as a human being or human, yeah, human doing more. (laughs) 
but in my humanness and it was all great and I loved it. But then in 2008, I ended up in a workshop with Monique McDonald called Discover Your Sacred Gifts. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had found that missing piece. I had found that piece to help me understand my soul. Because as I was saying before, I always had this spiritual side to me or the soul side of me that guided me along the way and that I learned to trust over time. And I learned that it was taking me in the right direction, but I didn't understand it. I didn't have words for it. I didn't know what it actually was. And when I did the workshop, I learned about 24 sacred gifts and I learned that I have a handful of them. Um, and I have so many of them that are not my sacred gifts, but it helped me to understand other people. It helped me to understand the people that I work with, the people in my family, the people in my life. Um, and I've gone on to become a certified guide. And now I'm the business strategist with Monique. We work together and I love working with Monique. So same thing with you and Scott. It's the same for me and for Monique and I, we work together, our gifts um, align so beautifully and we, we are both living in our gifts. Our sacred gifts are things we're born with. They're not skills. They're not things that uh, you can get better at and you don't lose them. So I love the sacred gifts work and I use it with my, every single one of my clients has to go through that process with me because I can better guide them as a coach when, um, when I know what their gifts are, when they know what their gifts are. But I've also started taking this into teams and honestly, Ricky, that, Oh my gosh, that just fills me so up so much. I'm helping the leaders to be better leaders and I'm helping the teams to better understand themselves and to work more collaboratively with, with each other. And it doesn't matter if it's a virtual team or if it's a team in person. I mean, I have a virtual team, so we all work together that way, but um, I love taking this work of sacred gifts into teams and helping people to better understand themselves so that they can do better work and feel more on purpose in their lives. Sounds great. So how do people actually discover their sacred gifts? What, what could they do? There's a couple of different ways. Um, we offer a self-study course. And so people can download the course, listen to the audios, do the worksheets and do it themselves. We also have 61 certified guides around the world. There are nine different countries and they take the clients through a four four session guided journey of that same program. So helping them to integrate what they're learning and answer their questions and help them to process it a little bit better. I think that that's actually, um, well, I know that that's actually a better way to do it because the, the they can ask their questions and they're not making stuff up on their own, right? The people who are learning. Um, the third way is through workshop. And we actually have one coming up in Calgary in February, 2019, but we have workshops that take place in Canada, we also have a trainer who has just finished one in Florida and they can be anywhere. So people can do a two day workshop as well if they're more that type. And um, I'd like to do what you do and do a virtual Discover yeah. Your Sacred Gifts workshop. I don't know how to do that yet though. So I might need to ask for your help. Oh yeah, we'll talk uh, We'll talk after the interview. Definitely happy to help there. Like uh, I used to do a lot of physical events back in Vancouver, uh, everything from small meetup time to like one day workshops to like bigger one, two, and three-day conferences, and I just took all that and put it digitally. So now my physical conference has become virtual summit. So I'd love to, yeah, chat more about that after the interview. That's perfect. That's actually part of the vision. And um, because, you know, when you're local, you can only help so many people. You can only really talk to the people yeah. who are close to you. But when you're virtual and you're a digital nomad, <laughs> 
then you can really talk to people from all around the world. And that's one of the things that I'd really like to build out is a virtual two-day workshop. But in the meantime, we have the self-study course and people can work with guides and that works as well. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, you, you actually like preempted my last question, which is actually usually what is your vision for it? And you've kind of teased the division in terms of like uh, putting it virtually, but tell us a little bit more about your personal family and uh, business and travel vision for your life. Oh, wow. Okay. So, wow. Well, my part of my vision right now is because we've made our team virtual um, I want to start doing house exchanges in different places because I have kids and I want to, the next, the first place I want to go actually is Montreal. And I, I want to be building our business in different places and go for two to three, one to three months at a time and have those experiences with my family, just like you are Ricky. Cause I think that that just gives children such a rich life. Um, so that's part of it. But I, you know, what I'd love to see by the end of 2019 is for us to have another hundred guides in the Discover Your Sacred Gifts program. I want to complete the guide support program that I'm that I've built out with my coaching company, just and integrate that into the Sacred Gifts work so that those guides get the support, they get the encouragement. I've done it already before. So the next step now is to do it for the guides. And you know, every single thing that I've done that has worked in my life has brought me to this place has served a purpose. And, um, and so that next step with the guides, and then, you know, for us to be able to create five or 10 really meaningful joint venture partnerships with people who have audiences who love this kind of stuff, and for us to be able to share with them, that's part of the vision too. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot to do. I want to get this into teams, um, whether it's corporate or whether it's uh, more small business, we're already starting, right? The momentum's already there. So it's kind of like that overnight success thing again. I know that it's not going to happen overnight. My experience tells me that things take time, but as long as I'm trusting and I'm following that next step and I know where I want to go and I know where we want to go, then I believe that it will happen. It's already happening. It's already happening. It is. It is. It is happening indeed. And I'm happy to make it happen. Help Thank somebody. you. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Uh, so, uh, Annette, uh, for people who do want to, to uh, either hire you for some uh, personal coaching, they might want to do the sacred gifts, they might want to attend one of your workshops, uh, tell us about all the different ways that they can connect with you. Okay, well, if people want to connect with me, the fastest and easiest way is just on Facebook. Just look me up. My name is Annette Sharp, and I have a page there that says, uh, I think it says speaker, culture builder, something like that. You can look me up there. <laughs> um, you can also look up my personal page, Annette Michelle Sharp. My company, my personal company coaching website is growingforsuccess.com. You can go there. But if you're more interested in learning about your sacred gifts or becoming a certified guide, then you'll want to go to yoursacredgifts.com. And, um, and that's, the, that's how you could get in touch with me. Nice and easy, nice and easy. So I'll actually have those links below if you're watching this uh, podcast on YouTube. It'll be right in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes, it'll be right in the show notes. Uh, so Annette, uh, thank you again for coming on to our podcast here. Uh, looking forward to connect again on the summit. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah, I'll talk to you in a few days. We will indeed. Uh, so yeah, make sure you connect with Annette. I'll have those links below and make sure you uh, connect with Monique. I'll have the uh, podcast interview with her who founded uh, Sacred Gifts and then make sure you uh, connect with, 
for a summit as well, either in real time or if you're listening to this in the distant future, it will still be at digitalnomadmastery.com. So thanks, everyone, and we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travel.